0: Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey. As we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Today, we're going to be kind of giving the really just an overview of why people need to learn about private banking strategies and some of the pitfalls, maybe that the uh, members of our audience face on a daily basis, monthly basis, yearly basis, and some of the positive things that come out of understanding and learning about private banking strategies and implementing them in your life. Vance and Seth, I'm excited to get talking today.
2: Well, we're sure excited to be here and talk about
1: uh, our favorite topic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the big question is, why do people need to learn about private banking strategies? I know that you guys have more examples that we can cover in, in one podcast. But kind of give me some of the, the, the big picture items. What, what is so important about this strategy that people need to know about it? <sighs>
2: Well, Eric, we find that uh, people kind of fall in maybe three different categories. One of the categories is you work for someone, you go to work every day. Mm-hmm. You may not like the environment, but, you know, you're, you're earning a living, uh, you're supporting your family or whatever else. And over and over again, you think that, uh, you know, if I do this, I can get ahead. But never does it happen the feeling of failure and frustration of Mm -hmm. not being where you want to be at that time. You know, people take a look five years down the road, 10 years down the road, or 30 years into a career and had high hopes and dreams of of achieving something and being somewhere only to, you know, feel that failure and that frustration.
1: Yeah. And and that's a very real thing. I mean, in my own life, I've I've gone a year, two years, a couple of years where just plugging along and all of a sudden I kind of wake up like, wait a second, wow, that went way faster than I thought it did. And I didn't get accomplished the things that I wanted to, or the things that I had set out, or even the, the goals that I had set at the beginning of the year when everybody's you know, making those, those New Year's goals. So I, I totally feel that and I understand that.
3: Eric, we feel like many times we've got clients that they wake up and they realize that their retirement plan so-called plan is completely insufficient. Their retirement is just around the corner and mm-hmm. they haven't accumulated enough wealth and assets to even maintain their lifestyle. They have followed the herd mentality and they wake up completely disenchanted, hopeless and despairing, realizing that there is no end to their work cycle. If they want to continue to live their lifestyle. What is
1: that herd mentality? What do you mean by that? Well, Eric, the
2: herd mentality is just kind of a classification that we put on the main body of Americans. We all seem to get herded down a path. And we could do a full podcast. We could probably do a series of podcasts and really have a lot of fun with the herd mentality. But in a nutshell, what we're talking about here is we all follow what everybody else is doing. When in fact, we've heard time and time again that successful, independent, successful people don't do what everybody else does. They not only don't do the same things, they do exactly the opposites. We all hear that. We just don't understand it. But herd mentality might involve uh, checkpoints. We're in the herd mentality if we're doing like everyone else, IRAs, 401ks, And those types of things, using financial advisors, uh, turning the responsibility over them, uh, over to them to do the investing and making all the decisions to make them successful. And that doesn't work. It's uh, what does a herd usually end up uh, or have happen to them? You know, they get slaughtered.
1: <laughs> mm. Slaughterhouse, yeah. That's kind of where that leads. Uh, however, however,
2: there's one thing that's very enticing about the herd mentality. You may fail, but you'll fail with company.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, which, which is really not a solution.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, it's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody's getting but, bloody know, in that scenario is what I'm hearing, uh, which and is And there's not good.
3: even really, there's really, really smart people that, have come to us that are lawyers, doctors, even other financial uh, advisors who wake up and realize that they have abdicated their responsibility and not really learned about investment, learned about money, learned about banking mm-hmm. and in a, in a brand new way. Uh, and that's why we really encourage people to, to think through their retirement plans and show them that There's a lot of thorns in those roses. They're presented as roses, and and the government is always going to tax you. They're always going to try to take as much as they can take. That's what big government does, and private banking strategies helps you to silo and vault your money into something that's asset protected and untouchable.
1: Uh, And I was going to say, Vance, you brought up 401ks, IRAs as as being part of that status quo, the herd mentality. And, and Seth, you just said something that it's, it's kind of out of the box thinking. And I think that's what everybody's coming here for coming to this podcast for is that if there's something else, what is it?
2: Well, let's, let's go into a little bit more clarification of how we're feeling in today's world. How, uh, you know, it's like a wake-up, but it's more realizing that, you know what? I work hard for my money, but I only get to use the dollar one time, and I watch it go away. It's gone forever. In order to replace that dollar after I use it, i got to go back to work and earn one. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we realize the banks always get the money back, and they get to use the money over and over again.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: So we ask ourselves the question, you know, how do we either do the same thing or how do we make a dollar work more for us? How do we keep more control of our dollars? The successful group, you know, hey, you know, we've got a business, we're succeeding really well. But Uncle Sam's right there, right on the doorstep, Mm -hmm. you know, to either take control or to tax you to death.
1: Yep, always.
3: And if it's not Uncle Sam or inflation, there are lawsuits and creditors and unscrupulous thieves and identity uh, absconsions that put people's money at risk as well. So there's so many piranhas out there, Eric, that mm-hmm. are swimming the shark-infested waters. Seth,
2: tell them the story about the doctor, you know, client
3: got sued there there was a surgeon who was a very wealthy surgeon into the uh, eight figures of net worth which is tens of millions and um he had liability insurance malpractice insurance for the type of surgeries that he was performing and it was a 10 million dollar coverage which he thought was sufficient Well, he was sued for negligent surgery which went wrong very wrong for which he was responsible And the lawsuit uh, ended with a over $60 million verdict against him. Wow. So his insurance company ponied up their $10 million coverage, but the rest of the verdict, the 50 plus million, was he was personally responsible for. And it completely wiped out his entire estate. It destroyed his family, unfortunately, and was just a miserable situation for him and his family and for everyone concerned. Now, the contrast that with what a successful scenario would look like, the surgeon would have implemented private banking strategies, probably would have had more insurance coverage for his malpractice and uh, negligent surgery that was performed. But nonetheless, the money, if he would have banked it in his vault through private banking strategies would not have been attachable in litigation so someone getting a judgment against him would have been inconsequential and the money in his vault his private banking strategy vault would have been completely protected
1: okay you're saying money but i'm i'm assuming that you're also meaning property and estate and things like that because it's it's not just the cash that somebody would have on hand and and I don't know if you could touch on future earnings even I don't know how that would work but let's say that that doctor didn't have the amount of coverage same scenario so he's got 10 million of coverage it's a 60 million dollar judgment insurance pays their 10 there's 50 million on the hook someplace how would private banking strategies how would that help save his estate well his estate was already
3: set into the vault. And we're talking about a a very carefully designed life insurance contract that has cash value. It's supercharged for with cash value Mm -hmm. to act as one's bank. So as he is funding his bank and buying premiums, using that money in his system for business expansion, investment or otherwise, the, the assets within his private bank are protected through structure. So the structure is is one that's proprietary that we set up and in many states, the legislatures have enacted laws which protect life insurance contracts and mm-hmm. other forms of life insurance product and sometimes annuities, sometimes other uh, types of investment vehicles. And so for example in Texas, the Texas insurance code section 1158 it identifies specifically what is asset protected and not available for creditors. So if this doctor had his policies in place before he conducted the negligent surgery and he's been operating through the private banking strategies forum and and working those principles, it predates the lawsuit and therefore, it is exempt from creditors. Now, contrast that with trying to set up your private banking strategy and in, enter into life insurance contracts after that the, he performed the negligent surgery. And that's a different scenario. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important for people to implement these strategies now, before they have a problem, or before they're sued, or before they're being their identities being stolen.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So let me let me. Talk to us for a a few minutes about what life would look like if all these hassles, all these problems disappeared. Okay. So picture a life, when you bring home a dollar, you get to use it over and over again, just like the banks are doing now, knowing that every time you use that dollar, you're going to get a new dollar's worth of service or, or value every time, just like the banks. You know, you can picture a life where your wealth is going to increase every single day. It's a little different than out there today. Mm-hmm. Most Americans are not better off day by day. As a matter of fact, the majority of Americans are going the other direction. Uh, their their debt is increasing. Their wealth is decreasing. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to show and you know if you if if life if you knew life was getting better every single day picture that how would that make you feel would that give you more security would that allow you more time to do the things that you want to do you know there's just a million things that can happen if all of this pro all of the problems that we face and all the hassles go away. You know, you can picture a life where you can store your wealth. This is what Seth was just talking about, knowing that this wealth, this money is in the safest place on the planet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A life where you and your family were, became more private and you could do all the things that you wanted to do. This, these are the things that we all wake up in the morning for, hopefully, and it gives us the reason why we're going to work. Even you, Eric, have some you know, some dreams and oh, uh, things that you want to accomplish,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I want to go back, though, because I, I'm still trying to understand the concept of using a dollar more than once. Somebody explain that to me. How does that work?
2: Well, let me explain it this way. The banks lend out money. You know, that's their main thing that they do, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. And... It always comes back in payments, right? Correct. So, we, you know, that's a given. Banks never lose money when it comes to lending, loans, things like that. They're so over collateralized that if they have to take a property back or a vehicle or something else like that on a bad debt, that's what the interest rates are for, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to equalize those out. They get the money back. Well, the banks can take every dollar that comes back, they can turn it into $10. $9 comes from thin air, and they get to lend out $9 for every dollar that comes back to them. That's the problem that we're having with the banking world right now. That's what causes inflation, is them lending money that they don't have.
3: Hmm. What what Vance is describing is derivative lending. Derivative lending means our deposits... In the bank, we bring actually six cents into the bank and they're able to actually loan a dollar on that six cents. That's called derivative lending. And it's funny math, it's making money out of thin air. And when loans go bad in a bad real estate market or in a collapsing economy or in a pandemic, that's when problems start to explode. That's what Vance is talking about, where the, the, they make money out of thin air. It's called derivative lending. Mm.
2: So let's take those dollars. Those dollars keep coming back, and they get to use them over and over again. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, we're here to tell you, you can do exactly the same thing. And it's so simple, you know, it's almost scary. All you have to do is set up the same strategy that the banks are doing. You just can't do the derivatives.
3: Yeah. Unfortunately, Eric, if if I brought you a dollar and you were able to turn around and loan 10 to somebody else, uh, would that be a good deal (laughs) for me? (laughs) Yeah. For you. Exactly. So that's what exactly we want to do is set up the banking situation for, for clients such that they get the money back. They become, they set up their own family banking system whereby they take the money out of their life insurance policies for investment, for growth, for whatever purposes that fit their investment strategy and their wealth creation strategies, Mm -hmm. and they they cycle their income back through their family banking entity, which is asset protected, grows tax-free, and compounds year after year. IRS doesn't get involved. And it's a win-win-win.
2: One of the things I think everyone has to understand, these contracts we're talking about, these life insurance contracts, are special contracts designed and put together to form a perfect private bank. This isn't new. It's not cutting-edge technology. This is what was taken away from our education system. But those contracts are still there. They still exist. We can still do it. We just have to learn how to set it up and run it. What we're do- doing is we're talking about picturing if we took control of the banking equation in our lives, what would life be like?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you can picture a life where you can pass, you can build this, uh, this wealth into your family and your extended family. All of a sudden, they catch on, they start doing the same thing, and they capitalize their own banking system, and so they borrow from themselves themselves. Of course, you're gonna want interest. Uh, you know, if you invest money, you want the highest interest you can turn uh, get in return. So when you lend money, even to yourselves, you charge yourself interest and you get yourself uh, a high return. It's tax advantage. So here's here's a world. Once you get it into your system, the IRS is gonna leave you alone. The government's gonna leave you alone. They have no idea. What and how you're doing it, as far as they're concerned, you've paid your obligation for your taxes on your increases, and what you do with the money in your own systems, totally up to you. Can you picture that life? Can you picture a life where you can be more private outside of government intervention in these things?
1: Yeah, that would be that would be obviously very nice I, I i don't know exactly obviously how it works i know that that's what this podcast is for is that you're as we move forward you're going to educate uh, all of us on kind of how that looks how that works uh with each stage of the pillars we're going to be covering yeah you're painting a wonderful picture uh it's just still to me a bit blurry right <laughs> you
2: know yeah, it, 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 it's a bit blurry but what we're trying to accomplish with our podcast today is the reason and the need yeah to investigate the private banking strategy. Do I need this in my life? And will this work for me? This is what you want to find out.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about ideal clients. Who, who listening to this right now needs to say, okay, obviously, in my opinion, I'm hearing somebody who wants less government intervention or less maybe oversight by the government into their own business, which I think all of us would like Uncle Sam to stop creeping around our house, (laughs) taking a look at what we do, you know, protection. uh, Obviously, there's tax advantages to this, being able to have more control. uh, So anybody who falls in those categories obviously needs to be thinking about this. What other criteria are you looking for when a for a client to come to you?
3: Well, here's a good example for that. I'll take the first part of this, Vance, and you can fill in the backside. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Frankly, for us, it's much harder to work small amounts and small policies and come up with strategies. uh, It takes probably more work than it does for those with uh, more wealth. Most of our clients are higher net worth individuals. Most of them are business owners, real estate investors, doctors, lawyers. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I preface this statement by saying that's who our typical client is, but really private banking strategies is for anyone who wants to keep what they make and protect what they make. And generally that's everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people don't want to accumulate wealth, have it taken from them. And here's a great story that drives home the point in in Cyprus, for example, the country of Cyprus Mm -hmm. uh, in the Mediterranean in the 2013 era, they, decided to bail in on uh, depositors money in in certain banks banks that were insolvent in Cyprus bailed in on depositors money what does that mean bail in it means they actually had the right to confiscate people's money to balance the bank's books and mm-hmm. make them solvent for depositors in Cyprus who had over a certain mel- wealth like they believe it was over $100,000 they lost 50% of everything over $100,000 the government wow. just took it poof and they and they're actually centralized banks meaning they were had government control there's something in America called the Dodd-Frank Act, and it was enacted in the Obama administration. And we've written articles on it, and there are blogs, and they're in our email posts so people can sign up for those and, and drill down on the content further. But mm-hmm. bottom line is, is the Dodd-Frank Act allows for the bail-in of American depositors' money. So there are centralized banks in, in America which, if insolvent, have the ability to bail in on the depositor's money and take their money. A common um, reply is, well, what about FDIC insurance? Well, if you look at on the FDIC website, you'll see how much they're guaranteeing to insure, Mm -hmm. and you will also see how much they're solvent with. And if the math is calculated, they're going to be able to insure about 1.3 cents of every dollar that they're making mm-hmm. a representation they'll, they will ensure. So FDIC insurance, in my opinion, is not a very safe uh, mechanism for uh, protecting your money. Now contrast those, the bail in in Cyprus and the, the uh, potential bail in in America pursuant to the Dodd Frank act uh, with having your money in a v- private banking vault call it a fortress or a vault, mm-hmm. whereby the government doesn't have any access to that. It's not in a centralized bank. It's in a, the custody of a life insurance company, which is not regulated by Dodd-Frank. It's not regulated by banking laws. There is no bail-in on your money when it's in your private banking strategy vault.
1: Mm. It's that simple. That's a little scary. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I, I'm i not in a tremendous situation where I have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in a bank account, but that'd be nice if I did one day, right? I mean, and to, to hear that, that tells me that that's probably not even the, the route that I would want to go. Obviously, learning from you guys, I, I know which route I need to go if I get to that point, but that's a little scary.
3: Well, Eric, even if you got $10,000 in the bank, do you want to lose it? No, I'd rather not. No. Yeah, you'd, you'd rather <laughs> not. Point. And, and, yeah, yeah. and ne- neither would anybody else, or even if it's $1,000. Yeah. And that's why I prefaced my uh, initial comments with the fact that everybody would, would desire a private banking vault where their money is safe and protected, whether it's 10000 or whether it's $10 million. The concept is the same because to each man's own home is his castle. Mm-hmm. To each man's own bank that is his livelihood, his wealth, his his wherewithal.
1: Right? I mean that's that's the bottom line. Yeah.
3: Jeez. Absolutely. And there's no reason that we should allow that in- intrusion so that you come and you know everything's taken from you.
2: Well, Eric, there's there's a couple things else that we need to discuss what uh, Seth is talking about is it's not safe out there in the world these days. Mm -hmm. And though our government is trying to paint a different picture, look at the ERISA plans by ERISA. that's an acronym for Ross 401ks, IRAs and pensions. There's Mm -hmm. over $7 trillion on account now in those accounts. Do you think government wants that or they want us to have it?
1: Yeah, well, we know know Uncle Sam would love to get his hands on that.
2: Yes, and he's working very hard. Um, I'm reading articles right now about upping the taxes on those items uh, to a minimum of 50% so that they can't get at it. They want to be able, I think, to confiscate even those dollars. Mm. And if that's where everybody's money is for retirement, you know, what's that
1: going to leave them with? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely
3: so let's say that someone's accumulated a sizable amount of wealth right uh, now in america the ability to transfer over 10 million dollars to your heirs and if that's children or other uh, beneficiaries whether it's a charity or otherwise and that's tax-free it's an estate tax that is exempt up to that amount well the Mm -hmm. current administration has proposed a seventy-five percent reduction in mm-hmm. that exemption, meaning so your uh, what you could transfer without any tax implication whatsoever now has been cut down to twenty-five percent of what it would be. Well, that's why where the private banking strategy comes in. If you've got your your money in the private banking strategies vault and in the specially prepared life insurance contracts that we structure, th- they're absolutely exempt. So the entire amount, not there's no amount that the government will be able to reach with the state taxes. And here's a great story that, that kind of drives home the point. Everybody's probably heard of Prince, the, the artist, Mm -hmm. well, he called himself the artist formerly known as Prince towards the end of his career. He had a $200 million estate and was a resident of Minnesota. He passed away at an untimely early death Mm -hmm. and had no uh, private banking strategies in place, had no other real estate plan in in place. And between the state of Minnesota and the federal government, they took over 50 percent of that 200 million. And his rightful heirs received less than 50 percent of that. I've even heard Susie Orman say the exact same thing. And uh, an interview with a New York Times reporter where she was concerned because of her estate at the time was, I think, 50, 50 million, that her partner was going to be having half of that when the uh, estate tax man came and slashed that in half. If that money is in the private banking strategies vault, none of it is taken by the tax man, whether it's estate taxes, income tax, or any other kind of tax. It's simply in the vault of protection.
1: Untouchable. Fantastic. Guys, guys we are out of time for today. Any closing thoughts before we wrap this podcast up?
2: All I'd like to say is I hope we've, painted a little bit of a picture of of where you're at now and the frustrations uh, to where life really could be, the security, the privacy. Mm -hmm. That's why you should take an opportunity to find out if this private banking strategy is right for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, gentlemen, well thank you so much. I'm I'm looking forward to that next podcast. I know we're going to dive deeper into the seven pillars or even maybe more of this, but great examples today. I mean this this is really eye-opening and I think that all of our listeners at least they got a nugget of boy, that sounds good, or boy, that sounds bad, and I need to look into this because I don't want the bad things to happen. I'd rather have the good things. So uh, guys, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And this is a great one to share, right? Because here's the thing, if they listen to it, and they have similar questions that you do, you guys can discuss it and just talk about it, and then both of you can make a phone call or go to the website and check out what these guys are doing, what they're, what they're talking about, because it's powerful. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast.